Hey, miserable bitches. Yes, we are back with another episode of Misery Manor. My name is still Cody. My name is Emily. And before we get started, make sure you leave your manners at the doa. Say birch, it's cold in here. I ate so many tacos today that I uh, kind of smell like tacos. No, bitch, that is just your natural smell. I can just smell them, but like I DoorDash them, so why do I smell? Oh no, because you ate them? them, and you have queso on your pants. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, the reason why I said burr because it's fucking freezing. For those of you who've been listening for a while, you know we live in Texas. Um, I share my time between Dallas and Houston, and it snowed in Dallas. And then when snow melts, then it freezes. Me and Josh walked to the grocery store yesterday because we just wanted to get out of the house. And I slipped uh, fucking like three times, literally as cars are driving by. So I know they saw it. So I'm sure I'm on TikTok somewhere. I hope so. It was hilarious. And I had my phone in my hand, so I, like, landed on the phone. Mm -hmm. I thought I cracked it, but I didn't. Did you have on gloves? I did, and a beanie. Oh, yeah. And a jacket. Mm -hmm. And these pants. But I washed them. I know, but those aren't, like, warm enough. No, they're very warm. They are? Okay. They're very warm, so don't you worry about that, okay? Okay. But, oh, my God, so last time we talked, update on the headache, She's still here. <laughs> so if any of you, actually, my saving grace has been Aleve. So if any of y'all deal with headaches, I don't know about y'all, but Aleve works so good for me. Not Excedrin anymore. Now we're on Aleve. People. Yeah, because Excedrin, I didn't know this, but if you take it for more than like three days, then you have like what's called a rebound headache. So I was getting those every morning and i have convinced myself that i had a brain tumor or an aneurysm or all these horrible things so it was just not good for me you know what i just realized what that new guy's working at the front of your apartments and he's gonna harass my cupcake lady no he's not he's gonna say your doordash come on in oh okay well we know what's on your mind um also, you're getting this episode on Friday because the snow trapped me in Dallas and I wasn't able to get back to Houston to record with Emily. So, ha- you know, welcome to the weekend. You get to start off with Misery Manor. <laughs> um, also, we have a new Patreon Patreon named Rita, like Margarita. Yes. And um, most of you post when you get your little goodies in the mail. If you don't ever receive them, just let us know yes. and, you know, we'll resend them whatever um as long as you're not lying because shit happens and she gets lost in the mail yeah so So. just send us a message on instagram or on patreon would probably be best so and uh before we get into this episode i just wanted to share um i had a dream last night (laughs) that i went to prison (laughs) and this prison was like no other it was like half i walked in i walked in first of all it's a co-ed it's a co-ed uh, prison so that was kind of weird for me and all my roommates were women and there was cows like literally cows just tied up to and I was like why like what did they do to you know 
be here. And they're like, no, that's for us to drink milk from. So people were like milking the cows. And I got a job in the pharmacy. So I was like the pharmacist. So I was like, what can I help you with? And my little sidekick was this little six-year-old girl, which I don't know why she was in prison, but she told me her dad died. Huh. So I was like, Maybe oh. she killed her dad. No, she was like, I don't know where he is, but I'm assuming he's dead. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but then we had drag shows every Thursday or every Friday that we were allowed to go to. So that was fun. Okay. And I woke up like, well, maybe this isn't so bad. <laughs> but you don't know why you were there. I think I got in a fight. Oh, that's right. That's because they kept me. telling me, you'll only be here for three days. And I was like, oh, that's not bad. But I was freaking out because I was like, how do I tell people I'm here? I don't have my phone. Y'all took my phone. only drinking milk. It's horrible. Yeah. And it was disgusting. Like, there was like, like, it was uh, disgusting. Doo-doo. Cows everywhere. Like, oh. little kids everywhere. It was just weird. I was like, where the fuck am I? Anyways, uh, I think that's the Aleve, though. I think the Aleve has been giving me weird dreams. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right. So this episode today is wild. And I wasn't going to do it. But Brie, love you, Brie, texted me. and was like, hey, bitch, have you heard of this? Ep- have you heard of Ke- well, his name's Kevin? Uh, what's his name? Kevin Davis. And I was like, no, bitch, tell me. And she went on to tell me. And I was like, OK, I'm stopping what I'm doing right now. And I'm doing this episode because this is very me it's wild it's gross it's you're gonna say what the fork a million times you're gonna scream a little bit um yeah and it happened in corpus christi (gasps) texas which is not very far from us that's not far from us at all so let's get into it so kevin davis was born december 27th 1995 and 18 years later he brutally uh, mothered murdered (laughs) his mother kimberly hill and then sexually abused her corpse at their home in Corpus Christi, Texas. All of this took place around 10 a.m. on March 27, 2014. Wait, when did that happen? 2014. No, the date was his birthday? March 27th. Oh, okay, no. So on this this. day, Kevin called 911 and confessed to the murder of his very own mother at the apartment that they lived in. The officers from the Corpus Christi Police Department arrived and they walked into their house and it was a true nightmare. They found 50-year-old Kimberly Hill dead, beaten, and battered. She was naked from the waist down and her skull had been split in two. The officers also found a trail of blood leading from the living room to the back bedroom. So upon searching through the house, they found no one home, but they did find a note that Kevin had written saying, quote, chase me down. Sorry for the mess. Uh-uh. KD. He later had told investigators the reason for the notes was because, quote, I was in a playful mood at the time. I just wanted to run. I just wanted to see how far I could get. But Kev- he only got to the bedroom? No, like he left that note and then left the scene. Oh, okay. So Kevin was actually planning on leaving town, but he ended up abandoning his bike the next day and walked to a nearby home, knocked on the door. The couple answered the door and was like, uh, hi, how can I help you? She's covered in blood. He, no, because yeah. we're going to get into this. This okay. is just like a little teaser. Okay. So as they are staring at this man who looks visibly distressed and like eerily, like kind of like numb to the situation, he simply said, I killed someone. Can I please call, use your phone to call the police? So surprisingly, the couple was like, yeah, sure. Come on in. The phone's uh, like, uh. right over there. So he picked up the phone and he admitted to police that he had murdered his mother, gave them the address of where he was located, and told them that they could come and arrest him. 
Once he was taken to the Corpus Christi police station, it was there that Kevin made a full confession of what transpired that day. And rest assured, he left no details out. Let's first dig into Kevin Davis and how all of the occurrences of this day happen and just some background information on him and his family, kind of like I always do, you know? So Kevin did have an older sister named Desiree, and the two of them, along with their mother, lived in the Texas town of Corpus Christi. How far away is that from us, from Houston? Um, like, like four or five hours. Okay. I know it's where Selena is from, right? Yep. Yeah. No, not from, but no, she's she from died there. there. Or she died there. That's what it was. I mean, maybe she is from there, but I know she died there. Yeah. So Kevin and his mother lived together in the Windrush apartment complex, and Desiree, who was about six years older, lived a few miles away in her own apartment. Okay. So Kevin and his mother lived in a two-bedroom apartment, so Kevin was able to have his own room, his space, as well as his mother. So Kimberly worked in hospice care as a nurse caretaker, so she devoted her time and efforts to make sure that people she worked with were comfortable, they were happy, and they were well taken care of in their last moments of life. Oh, wow. So as you know, that takes a very strong person to deal with death or seeing dying patients in your everyday job. And Kim handled this perfectly. She was the perfect person for this um, role. She was described as being very loving, very caring, sincere, loyal friend. Um, she loved going to work and the patients just meant the world to her. Okay. So her own kids even described her as being, quote, the world's best mother, which I'm sure you're thinking, well, well but we'll get to it. So Desiree and Kevin both stated that Kim would do anything and everything she could to ensure the people around her were happy, especially her children. So let's talk about Kevin's father or lack thereof. So I searched all over to find information on Kevin's father, but the only thing that I was able to find was that his father had left Kim shortly after Kevin was born. Okay. So growing up, Kevin had little to no contact with his father and Kim was kind of forced to be a single mother and just do whatever she could to provide for her two children. Okay. So people that went to school with Kevin and interacted with Kevin in some shape or form stated that he was a pretty average guy. Like many described him as being kind of standoffish, kind of quirky, shy. Some said nerdy, awkward, but nothing like too alarming where people were like, you know, that guy, like something's up with him. They just uh -huh. thought he was just kind of like, you know, just a different, just different, just kind of reserved to themselves, diff just different. Okay. Um, and nobody for sure thought that he was capable of doing what we're about to discuss. So, like I said, most just thought of Kevin as like a loner, kind of awkward and somewhat dorky guy in high school. So as far as academics, Kevin didn't make failing grades, but he wasn't like a scholar by any means. So like you, um, he kind of just coasted by and made the grades that he needed to make. <laughs> Emily's giving me a death stare. Is that your foot? Oh, that's my phone. Um, so he kind of just coasted by, made the grades that he needed to make just to get by. Um, but he did say his favorite subject was English. He was not involved in any sports. He wasn't on the student council. He wasn't involved in any other extracurricular activities. He would basically just go to school, go through the motions, and then go home. So let's fast forward to when Kevin is 18 years old and the year is 2014. Okay. What were you doing in 2014? 
Mm, working in the restaurant and oh, preschool teacher. She was flipping burgers, honey. No, I was not, but yes. I was about to graduate from Texas A&M. Nice. December 2014. So more specifically, we're talking March 27, 2014. So, and I just want to preface, this is all according to Kevin, right? Okay. So like, he's going to, I'm going to say things that apparently happened and like what his mom said and did, but no one knows for sure if that's actually what, how she reacted right, to some it's things. Right, coming from him. From him. And we know what he's going to, what he's capable of. So like, take, take this with a grain of salt. So again, March 27, 2014. So according to Kevin, in months or days leading up to this date, Kevin was contemplating ending his own life. Mm -hmm. He had thought about it for quite some time, and he kind of went back and forth on on the idea, like when to do it, how to do it, where to do it. And he's 18? And he's 18. But he had been thinking about this for, it started as early as his like, preteens. Oh, goodness. Okay. So Kevin said, quote, I'm bored with life. I don't like life. I don't like people. I don't like living, basically. There was really nothing depressing about it. Like, he basically thought him saying that, like, there's really nothing depressing about it. That just goes to show you how low he was, because he's thinking if he dies, it's really not that depressing, because he doesn't like anything about life, you know? Yeah, like, it's not going to affect anyone Anybody. around me. And, exactly. Yeah, okay. So Kevin told authorities that he had these thoughts for years, but they kind of just came and they went like he would have really good days where he was like, you know what? I can get through this. I'll be fine. And then then he would have really bad days where he was like, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to do it. But he never really knew how he was going to do it. Do his friends know about that? He doesn't have very many friends. And we're going to get into that too. mom. So we're going to get into that too, because that's kind of how this whole thing happened. So, like I said, this all started in his preteens when this first idea surfaced. So instead of getting help or asking for help or talking to the school counselors, Kevin just said that he accepted that that's how he felt. And then from there on, he sort of just went through the daily motions and he just said it was kind of like a ticking time bomb. He was like, well, I don't like life. So like counselors are not going to be able to help me. Getting help is this is how my brain is functioned. And I don't there's nothing anybody can do about it. Okay. So on the morning of March 27, 2014, Kevin woke up and he was having one of the days where he kind of felt like, you know, I've had it. Right. And so he went up to his mother and he wanted to tell her how he was feeling. And he was like, Mom, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I don't want to live any longer and I'm contemplating suicide and I have been for years. And obviously, according to Kevin, he said that when he told her this, she like was distraught right okay um but he said that she didn't give the reaction that he wanted right so you know the 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 authorities listening to this were like well what kind of reaction do you want and he never gave a clear answer on this but whatever she said he didn't like and this is what uh, this is what we're getting into now right so like any loving mother, Kim was distraught about her son openly admitting that he is suicidal and she started to panic and she was like, no. And he said that she basically was like, I would be so devastated without you. It's just me and you here. Like, how can I help you? Please do not do this. Like there are resources. I'm here for you. However, Kevin said that she ended the conversation with, and again, this is a little like, Oh, I don't see her saying that, but this is his words. So he said that she said, quote, you're a grown man, and at the end of the day, you're going to make your own decision. And that decision that you have made, that's a decision that you've made. So, therefore, there's nothing I can do to stop you. 
No, that doesn't sound okay. like something that she. I mean, we don't know. We don't her. know her, right? But it just. That doesn't sound like something a mother would mother say. Mother would say, especially child. right. So, um, after they had this exchange, Kimberly obviously she's freaking out what her, what her son just told her. She picked up the phone and she called Kevin's older sister Desiree. But not according to him, she's not freaking out. No, no, no. She cried, but, but then, then but then, like towards the end, she was like, "Well, you know what." You've made up your mind. There's nothing I can do about it. Okay. So she's freaking out and she picks up the phone and she calls Desiree and she asks Desiree if she could come by and pick Kevin up later in the day so that they could spend some time together because she thought that getting Kevin out of the house would allow him to kind of clear his head, be around his family, hear some encouraging words from his sister and people who love him. And by the way, I know it sounds a little weird. While I was researching this, I was like, wait, Kevin's 18. Why is he not driving? Like, why is he riding his bicycles? But Kevin, although he was 18, he has no driver's license and he had no idea how to drive a car. So even but I mean, if, they're short. They have a, it's a one income household too. No, he didn't want to. Oh. He, so he loved going, like he said verbatim, loved going to school, coming home, playing video games. That was his life. He didn't feel the need to have a car. Well, I mean, it does make sense because he, he has no purpose. Right. Like he if feels he like he has no purpose. Exactly. Like he, why would he, he doesn't have a job. Why would he need a car? Right, exactly. So his mom was like, I'm going to call Desiree because Kevin, if he wants to get out of the house, he can't, you know, he's kind of trapped here. He doesn't have a license. So maybe if Desiree comes over and picks him up, you know, get him out of the house, get him around some people. Maybe she could take him out to eat. So that Sunshine. was, so that was kind of the plan, right? So after hearing this phone call that his mother made to his sister, he was livid. So in Kevin's mind, he thought that by his mother calling Desiree to come pick him up, that she was basically saying, quote, come pick your brother up. I don't want to deal with this. So that's what how he registered this. So for the record, if you were not able to gather already, Kevin did not really get out of the house very much. Like I said earlier, he went to school and that was about it. Um, when he was not at school, he was in their apartment watching TV or playing video games. So this obviously did not allow for Kevin to make any friends or like get any sort of fresh air. So I know I get cabin fe fever. Is that what it's called? When you're just trapped yeah. up in the house and I'm like, I got to get out of here. But you um, do need like sunshine sometimes I or know. like fresh air. Right. So after hearing this conversation, Kevin did not like the reaction he heard from his mother into him this set off something in his mind and he was like, it's go time. Fuck her. It's go time. So he said to the authorities, it was now or never. So Kevin knew it was time to not only take or not to take his life, but instead take his mother's life in a brutal, grotesque and horrible way that he's been calculating for quite some time. So I'm going to jump ahead to when the police arrive on the scene and I'm going to come back to like what transpired that day, but I'm going to jump ahead just to paint a picture of what the police walked in on. So now at this point, we know that he's committed this uh, murder, right? Why are you looking like that? Because he, nothing that he has said really has made sense as far well, as this whole thing doesn't make sense. Well, I'm just like, okay, he's been planning this for some time, but yet he said that he was suicidal for some mm -hmm. time and the only reason that he is telling the like law enforcement that he killed his mother was because she made him spend time with his sister. Well, because he thought that she didn't want to do it. Like, it's like, 
he I felt that, abandoned or right that's by weird but he already felt that way in his head i know the whole concept is weird like you're upset that your mom is upset about it when you verbatim said that you felt like your life like why are you depressed which you know? to me my point is like that all sounds like a made-up lie that he's making up on the spot and he's just shitty at lying right so like i said i'm gonna jump ahead to to when the police arrive on the scene just to kind of paint a picture of what they walked into because nobody knew actually what happened until he gave this full confession so that's i'm gonna go into that confession here in a minute Okay. So when they walked into the house, they saw that there was blood covering the apartment. So it was on the walls. It was on the furniture, carpets, cabinets, literally everywhere. So in the back bedroom, they found Kim's body laying there on the floor. And it was obvious that she had been brutally attacked. There was also a hammer laying next to her head. And her body had been placed in a very sexually suggestive position. They also found some notes scattered throughout the apartment that were written by Kevin. One of the notes, and it's the one that I said in the beginning, but mm -hmm. I'll reinstate it. Um, one of the notes said, chase me down. Sorry about the mess, KD. The second note they stumbled across, which was meant for Desiree to read, and I'll, I'll get into that too, said, keep your head up. Hurry. She might be alive, even though I highly doubt it. So according to Kevin, he wrote this note to Desiree because he thought it would be Desiree that would come to the house to find out what happened. Because remember, Desiree was supposed to come pick him up. Um, oh, he didn't even end up going with her. No. So as far as um, the notes, Kevin said he was in a very playful, because they were like, why did you write these notes? And he's like, I was just in a very playful mood. And I thought it'd be cool and fun to incorporate some sort of like game, make this a game for you all. So he thought it would be fun for him to go on the run and see how far he could get. So he said that the notes were just kind of like his sense of humor coming out. And he's like giggling during his confession too. He is? Did you yes. watch it? Oh, yeah. <gasps> so, however, as we know, he did not make it on the run very long because guilt took over. So, And then he ended up confessing what he had done. Well, first of all, to the neighbors, right? Right. The heat. Okay. Like he's on the run and we'll get into this. He's like on the run and then he's like, oh, shit. Look, and it all hits him. So... When the police had Kevin at the police station, they began to interrogate him. But Kevin was more than willing to share every last detail. Like, they did not have to pull or twist his arm for anything. He was more than willing to share everything. Was, and he wasn't upset? No. Mm-mm. See, this is sad because it's, like, clearly mental illness that wasn't treated. And who knows if they even had the means to, like, treat that, you right. know? So... Kevin said that night while his, and this is what happened. Okay. So Kevin said that night while his mother was on the couch watching TV that he had made up his mind that he was going to kill her. And so he did. He could not stop thinking about her reaction in the reaction that he gave to his suicide warning. And he wanted to kill her instead. So he walked over to her while she was enjoying a movie, relaxing after work. And he put a cord from one of his video game controllers around her neck in an attempt to strangle her. But according to Kevin, she freaked out and started screaming, Kevin, what are you doing? Stop, stop. You're hurting me. Like, what's going on? And Kim was actually able to overpower her son, grab the cord with enough force and yanked it away from Kevin. It was like, what the heck is going on? So with Kim now free from the strangulation attempt, she looked at her son and just started screaming bloody murder for help. I guess she could look at her son and be like, uh-oh, something's happened, you right? You know, there's a movie called There's Something Wrong With Kevin. Mm -mm. But it's about a boy that he ends up becoming a school shooter, an active shooter. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's scary. So she's screaming. She knows she's in an apartment complex, right? Someone's bound to hear her. So Kevin, who's afraid that the neighbors are going to hear her, ran into his mother's bedroom and pulled a hammer out from the nightstand beside her bed. He entered the living room with the hammer in his head, and he said that his mother just kind of looked at him and was like, no, no, Kevin, no. I mean, she's 50s, but, you know, I'll show you pictures of her. She's a little bit, you know, I don't know if she can move that quickly. Um, I know that sounds bad, but, like, she just looks like she's not able to be very agile. So he attacked her and started hitting his he his mother over the head with the hammer about 20 times. And that's a claw hammer. And that's like where all the blood came from, right? Oh, so after so many hits to the head, she fell to the floor and was like a bloody mess. So Kevin then dragged his mother by her clothes to the back bedroom, leaving a trail of blood from the living room to her bedroom. So according to Kevin, he thought that the 20 blows to her head had killed her. But after some time, his mother started making noises. So in his mind, he thought, Oh, she's playing dead. She's trying to mess with me. Like, he thought that she was just pretending to be dead. By making noises? So Kevin grabbed the hammer again and started to hit her over the head several more times until he noticed that her skull split open <gasps> almost in half and the oh, top of her brain was now exposed. However, even with this, Kevin was still not convinced that his mother was dead. So he got up off the floor, walked in the kitchen, and he grabbed a large knife. Oh, my goodness. When he came back in the room, he stuck the knife in her brain, kind of like a unicorn stick or whatever, horn, like right on the top. And he proceeded, and these are his worlds, to swirl her brain around oh! to make a mush mixture. So Kevin told investigators that the knife was not mixing the brain very well, so he threw the knife and took his bare hands and started, oh! and started mixing his mother's brains himself. Kevin later told a psychiatrist that he mixed the brains so much until it felt like a putty in his hand. And he admitted, it actually tasted pretty well, oh! too. He said it tasted well. So, ew. About a petite. So after Kevin thought that he had mixed his mother's brains enough... Get the, you have to look I'm at me. sorry, you have to like give me a second. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't think you would want to visualize this for too long. Okay, continue. Get we'll get this, okay? You're gonna scream, but wait to scream till Does after that have I'm to do with this dick. Yes. So he stopped what he was doing and starting re started removing his mother's clothing piece by piece. Oh. He got on top of her and started having sex with her dead, bloody, and beaten body. So while he's telling the investigators this, Emily, Kevin said, in the, and you can watch him say this, he goes, he's like pondering, he goes, I guess I lost my virginity to a corpse. Your mother's. Your mother's. He actually said dead corpse, but that's like a, <laughs> a dead corpse. Yeah. yeah an oxymoron. So oh my God. Oh. So obviously when the police heard this confession, they were like, um, what the hell? So they asked How Kevin. humiliating for this woman, her family, her daughter, her, oh, oh my God. So they asked Kevin, what made you once have sex with your mother, Kevin? And he goes, quote, I've always loved my mother, I guess in the wrong sort of way. Okay. So I know Ed Gein, like, no, Ed Kemper. Ed Gein. Kemper. Yep. 
They both killed their moms. Yes. But one of them fucked her Gini. head. Yeah, her head. He fucked all of it. But, like, I think she was, like, always nagging at him and stuff, so it kind of makes sense. Like, the mouth. Oh, like, you know what I mean? Like Not that makes sense. Not, I'm not condoning no, I'm not. it. But, like, this... I mean, did he have... We're going to get into where this came from. So, like, he was, like, a sadomite... Yes. Okay. So... He said his original plan was not to only kill his mother, but to also do the same thing to his older sister. And fuck her dead yep, body, too? all that, too. So he he okay. said that he wanted to kill his mother and then get get on his bike, go over to his sister's house, and do the same thing. Because he said this has been a deep, dark fantasy that he's always had. However, he told police that this changed because he felt after he killed his mom, quote, I had my fill of killing. I was good. And he no longer had the energy or, like, urge to go over to kill his sister. So, as I mentioned earlier, he took a bath. <laughs> he got some clean clothes on. He wrote the notes that he left behind. He rushed out the door and headed on his bike to go for a run. After a while and riding on his bike, he actually ditched the bike and just started running by foot. And he did not have a plan or a destination in sight. He was just going to see how far he could get. Was he wearing jeans? It makes me so uncomfortable when I see people running in jeans. I don't know. I think he was wearing a thong. No, he, he put wasn't. his mom's thong out on after. Stop. I <laughs> know oh, that's horrible. Shame on me. It's the Aleve. Um, <laughs> however, this idea changed. So he ran past a wooded area. And all of a sudden, he said it was like a ton of bricks hit him. Of the shame that he had just, like, so much, so much shame guilt just everything hit it hit, hit him and he started to scream he started to cry he started to like panic and he described this moment by saying quote you don't really know what you want until you lose it so it was during this mental breakdown that he walked up to the closest home he was just like okay here's a home close to me we're going to you he knocked on the door and asked them to use their phone so that he can confess to this murder so the crazy thing about all this when the police asked kevin if I were to ask you what she did to deserve this, how would you answer? And Kevin said, absolutely nothing. She was wonderful. I'm just a terrible, disgusting person. Oh, God. But Kevin did not stop there in his confessional. Was he, this before or after he started laughing? So he's I feel laughing, like I need to watch He's this. laughing throughout. He laughed in court, too, when they told about the... Um, I didn't put this in here, but when they told about him raping... Or, yeah, I guess raping the corpse, he, like, chuckles. Are you serious? Siri. So Kevin did stop there in his confessional. He went on to tell investigators all about his fascination he has with murder. He said he looked at murder as sort of like an art form. He was fascinated with all the different ways that you could commit murder. He also went on to say that even though his mother's reaction earlier that day to him confessing his wanting to commit suicide did make him angry, he had been planning to kill her for quite some time. So it was just all of a matter of time of when it was going to happen. He said that there was something that he has been thinking about and fantasizing for a long, long time. And that's doing this. And it was just a matter of when. So Kevin also stated to them, quote, I don't have standards. I don't have morals. A body is a body. A piece of meat for me. Hmm. Okay. So they also asked Kevin if he had told anybody about his plan of killing his mother. But as you know, he did not have very many friends. Little to none. Um, that he was close enough or even trusted with this information. Only the neighbors knew. Like, of his 
plan of action is what I'm saying. Oh, so like, did, any, oh, did you ever oh. tell anybody about these sick ideas that you had? And he said, no. But then he went on to admit something. And he said, I did have, I put signs out there. I would make like jokes, dark jokes. Um, I would do like little, like really dark pranks to make people like question, be like, okay, that's weird. Like, why would you do that? Like act out weird scenarios and stuff. Like, oh, I could just kill you and like hold a knife, like little shit like that. Right. It's like he was looking for for every reaction. Right. So he said that he believed that his family and friends, he had like knew about it. But um, instead of doing anything about it, they just brushed it under the rug and wanted to believe that Kevin was not capable of doing something like this. Now, whether this is true or not, nobody knows. But he says, oh, yeah, my family, I think they did know. I I gave them some signs. Now, we've been going over murder cases in this podcast for almost over a year now. And a common factor amongst many of the murders is that once they're caught, they tend to want to plead uh, insanity, right? Because they want to get a lesser sentence or they don't want the death penalty, whatever, right? However, this is not the case for Kevin at all. In fact, he told the authorities that he was not insane by any means. He was like, no, I'm good. He said, quote, yes, I might be a disgusting person, but I'm not mentally unwell by any means. I know exactly what I did. So he said that he knew what he did was wrong and he could fully grasp that there would be repercussions for what he did. And he knew it. I mean, there's still something wrong with him. Right. Along with that in his confession, he told the authorities that if he were to ever be released, he would most certainly without hesitation kill again. He was like, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Even He even went as far as to go into detail about what the perfect murder would be if he were to be able to do it again. So perfect and murder don't really go together in the sentence, but to him, this is how it went. Oh. He said that he would be dressed up in a very nice tuxedo. And he would go to the store and he would buy a very beautiful dress for his victim. Once he was in his tuxedo and he had the dress picked out in hand, he would get on his bike and go to the woman's house and break through her back window. The bike? Well, that's all he had. He would break in through her back window and go in for the kill. After stabbing his victim to death, he would then decapitate her. He said, after this part, what can I say? I like my women dead. So after the victim's head was removed, he would then sew her head back on to her body or attempt to. And once that is complete, he would have sex with her body for, quote, a night to remember. Once that was done, he would leave the victim's body in the house, burn the house to the ground, and run for the hills, honey. So when the investigations investigators heard this they started asking kevin about his romantic life they were like have you ever had a girlfriend have you ever been sexually active with anybody like have you ever had like a little like have you gone on dates with women and he said no he's like no no i haven't but i want to tell you one thing and he goes on to mention this time right before murdering his mother that he found a gray cat named claire a cat he said that he grabbed the cat that he loved and he drowned the cat in the bathtub. He loved the cat? Yeah, he was like into the cat. He strangled the cat after the bathtub drowning and then took a knife and cut her stomach open. Then he proceeded to fuck the cat in her stomach. Kevin said he did not care if he had sex with a woman, a dead body, a dead cat. He said, quote, again, I don't have standards. I don't have morals. A body is a body and it's a piece of meat for me. He just needs, like, a flashlight. <laughs> or a fucking right hand. 
So Kevin also told the investigators that after killing his mother, he all of a sudden had zero urges to commit suicide anymore. He was like, it all went away. Obviously, after the detailed confession, the police made an arrest towards Kevin. And as for his sentencing, Kevin Davis was given life in prison. The death penalty was not an option for him in this case because it involved a murder charge and not capital murder. Which, what is the difference? What is capital murder? Capital murder is like... Where you planned it? Yeah. Okay. Blatant murder. Like, I went in, like, okay. So, as of today, Kevin is behind bars at the Jester 6 facility in Richmond, Texas. <gasps> Jester? Does he have a Jester hat? But I'm saying Richmond, Texas. That's, like, close to work. Yeah. According to his prison records, he's eligible for parole in March of 2044. Oh, I mean, I don't really now, worry about him. Now, I was going to go into details about, like, the trial, but they literally, since he gave a confession, there was no witnesses. There was, like, literally, no, Desiree came and talked. There was no, it was very quick because he admitted to it. He wasn't trying to fight for anything. I have a question because I, I'm maybe, you know, I'm just terrible at listening. Um, Do we know if when Desiree was going to come pick him up, was it the same day that he murdered his mother? Their mother? Yeah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, she obviously didn't. So the idea was that she was going to come home to, like, come to pick him up, right? And that he and would be dead. Okay. But he confessed before she had even so made her So it way. was all very quick. Very quick. He snapped. Was it after school that this happened? Yeah, like, after she had got home from work. Oh. And then the police came around, I guess, 10 a.m. the next morning after he had made that confession. But, yeah, um, let me show you a picture. I'm going to post all of the pictures of them on our Instagram at Misery Manor Podcast. Um, wild one. So here's Kevin. Okay. And then here is his sweet mother. Okay. Yep. There. <laughs> okay. Rita? Rita. Who's Rita? The sister. Desiree. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Rita. Rita who, baby? Rita who? Oh, she's beautiful, too. Look at her. Here she is. So, yeah. So, um, for Patreons, I will post the confession tape on our Patreon for you to listen to and watch. It's very interesting. I was going to plug it in here, but some of the audio was a little bit hard for me to hear. And I'm like, if I can't hear it, if you're listening yeah. in your car or something, it might be hard. And so... I'll post it on there, but I mean, anybody can go to YouTube and watch it, but oh. it's wild. So thank you so much guys. And thank you also for all the get well wishes. I am feeling better. So keep sending them my way. <laughs> my God. Goodbye. What? Nothing. I need the prayers. Okay. Praying. Thank you. Have a good weekend. You're beginning this on Friday. So yeah, have a good weekend. Oh, yes. And we'll do, we're doing a Patreon episode this weekend. Sorry, we're a little bit behind because of the weather and my headache, but. We'll catch up. Next week, we'll record on what, Tuesday? We can record on Monday. Oh, or okay. Sunday, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, maybe we'll give y'all two episodes next week. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend. Be safe. Be merry. Be happy. Be lovely. I almost said ugly. But <laughs> Emily, Emily has that covered for us yeah, all. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Bye. Shut up. Eat that.